0: Welcome to That's Agritastic, the show that celebrates the scope and diversity of agriculture across the country. I'm Pete Emmons, your host. Joining me is my very special guest. It's Joel Brandenberger, president and CEO of the National Turkey Federation. And today, we're talking turkey with the National Turkey Federation. Hey, Joel, welcome back to the show. It's great to be back. Thank you for having me, Pete. Hey, the last time that we talked, I believe was about the middle of August. If memory serves me right, and here we are, just a few days from the big, big turkey day. So, I really appreciate you taking a few minutes out of your hectic schedule here to really get us caught up with some great turkey talk. So, again, thank you so much for being here today.
1: Very happy to be here,
0: Joe. There are a lot of very interesting facts about turkeys that I don't think that John Q. Public really grasp or has a good understanding about that. So you put out for us maybe five or six just really interesting facts about turkeys in the U.S.
1: Sure, sure absolutely. Well, first of all, um, the U.S. Uh, produces right now about 210 million turkeys annually, which translates into uh, more than five billion with a B pounds of ready to cook turkey meat. Uh, and so, you know, and there's a wide diversity of products, but still the Thanksgiving turkey, the whole turkey is is still a big staple uh, of the menu. Probably about 40 million turkeys will be consumed this, this year at Thanksgiving and maybe close to another 20 million uh, at Christmas. So the fourth quarter is a very important year for us. But still, Americans on the whole are eating 15 to 16 pounds of turkey annually, and most of that now is coming outside the holiday season. Whether you're talking about ground turkey or breast cutlets or deli meat or you know breakfast sausages, you name it. There, there's a huge variety of turkey products out there.
0: What do you attribute uh, the year-round consumption of turkey to? The growth and evolution of that is it just a general awareness of people of making more choices and being looking at the the value of the benefits of eating turkey as opposed to rather red meat.
1: I think. I think if you go back to the 1980s uh it really kind of began began there i think people looked at turkey as a great lean dense nutritious protein low fat uh with, with a lot of nutritional values and the industry began to make products that sort of allowed them to consume it more easily you, you did you didn't have to go buy the whole bird cook it and cut it up anymore you had Sandwich meats, a variety of sandwich meats, not just the breast meat that we're all used to, but turkey ham and turkey salami. You look at turkey bacon for the breakfast table, turkey breakfast sausages there. And, 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 and ground turkey was a huge game changer, too, for the industry. It really began to come on in the 90s and is probably, you know, one of our very biggest sellers outside of the lunch counter and and the holiday meal. And a lot of people are enjoying it, not just to make turkey burgers, but they're using it in tacos, spaghetti sauces, a variety of ways that people traditionally have used ground beef.
0: There's just so many ways and it just continues to grow and and evolve. And I have to tell you, I had a turkey sandwich for lunch, by the way. (laughs) So there are myths out there that people have about uh, turkey farmers and how they're growing and raising the birds. uh, uh, is there still a lot of myth out there about use of hormones on the farm?
1: Well, the biggest myth about hormones is that they could even possibly be used on the farm. And there is no hormone approved for use in poultry, ter- turkey or chicken in the U.S. So none are used because it would be illegal to do so in terms of in, in terms of, I think, maybe not so much myths is is maybe misconceptions. Most turkeys today, not all, but the vast majority are raised indoors and climate controlled. Grow out houses that protect them from predators, protect them from from weather extremes, et cetera, and and it's and it's proven a very efficient way to raise turkeys. there are, st- there are still some raised outdoors on, on on the free range organic turkeys, or those labeled as free range, but most of them are are raised these days indoors to sort of to 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 basically to to protect the birds and and let them live as healthy a life as possible. Medications are used, but Probably not as frequently as the public thinks. In fact, uh, there's been a study by a University of Minnesota researcher that shows that antibiotic use in, in in turkey production has declined notably over the last decade or more. And that's you know I think I think people just don't really understand as much what's done to protect the birds, why medications are used to improve their health, and it's in the industry has a really good story to tell. So I
0: guess the bottom line here is that. Our turkeys are ultra healthy with minimal other uh, things added in to ensure that quality of it. And they're in very nurturing, healthy environments, too, as you mentioned, as well. Yes. Now, how has the uh, turkey production been on the farms this year as opposed to 2022? Is it up about the same level or what do you expect?
1: Well, it, it's going to be a little higher, almost certainly, when the year is done. As I know we've talked about in the past, uh, the U.S. experienced uh, an outbreak of highly pathogenic avian influenza last year. Uh, probably our second major one, Going, you know, if you include 2015. Uh, and we lost. Almost 10 million turkeys to the outbreak last year. Now the outbreak has not ended; it is still going on. Losses are less significant this year. Obviously, it's it's horrific for any individual grower who who suffers an outbreak on their farm, but but for the industry as a whole, much you know much fewer losses so far to this point this year. You know, we expect we expect probably some cases to tick back up as we move into the winter season. But so there there is going to be more turkey produced this year. I don't I don't want to speculate on how much by the end, but we'll we'll see more birds um, birds processed and, and and probably more poundage by the end of the year.
0: Well, that's all great news. Then you're sharing with us great yes. news. Hey, everybody has you know looking is, has certain ways of cooking that perfect bird, quote unquote. And I know when we were talking this summer, we were talking about how people were grilling turkeys, if I recall. Again, uh, and it seems like that continues to be a popular trend, but what advice do you have uh, for cooking birds, grilling or conventional or other methods?
1: Okay. Well, some things are uniform no matter which way you cook them. You wanna you wanna make sure you thaw. If you buy a frozen birds, you wanna make sure you thaw it properly. Do it in the refrigerator over a series of three or four days before you're ready to cook. Don't don't leave it out on the counter. Don't soak it in hot water in the sink or or whatever. You want to thaw it, you know, properly by by letting it sit in the fridge for for out of the freezer and in the fridge for about three to four days before preparing. You want to make sure that you that you cook it to the proper internal temperature make sure you have a th- meat thermometer the little pop-up timers are great but you want a meat thermometer to, to to confirm that you know if you measure in the deepest part of the breast or the thigh that it's reached an internal temperature of 100 of, of 165 degrees fahrenheit that that eliminates any any of the naturally occurring bacteria that you find um, uh, in you know fresh meat poultry vegetables it, it eliminates that if you stuff the turkey, which is fine. Some people like to put their cook their stuffing in the turkey. Make sure you measure the temperature of that stuffing as well, and, and ensure that it's got the 365. Excuse me, 165 degrees. <laughs> um, I was about to go into promotion for turkey year round. Uh, 165 <laughs> degrees, and, and and that's the most important thing. Now, that's true if you cook it in the oven and roast it in the traditional fashion. If you want to fry it, which a lot of people still do, got it became very trendy starting in the 90s and has continued to this day, same deal applies. Make sure it's make sure it's thoroughly cooked before you uh, you remove it for good from the from the fryer. Some people do grilling at Thanksgiving. Some smoke a turkey, you know, whether it's on a big green egg or, or some other type of smoker or uh, some people spatchcock the turkey and you know where you, you literally cut it in half spread it out and, and cook it on a grill in the conventional fashion and if you're thinking about asking me to ask how a spatchcock a turkey i'm going to ask you to go to turkey.com and look at what we recommend there because no one wants to follow my advice on that so
0: <laughs> well i hope a ceo and president somebody follows your advice or we're in trouble
1: <laughs> <laughs> not on spatchcocking a turkey all uh, right
0: well i'll quote you on that then so is is really the uh temperature issue the biggest uh, area where, where consumers generally seem to make mistakes or the length of they cook it,
1: or- it it is the single biggest risk point in in the process I, you know i think i think we've begun to relearn as a country what our what our what our grandparents all understood which is that that fresh products meat poultry vegetables you name it are going to have naturally occurring bacteria you have to take precautions in how you handle and prepare them to to ensure that, that that you've eliminated it all. And the sure way to do it with turkey is to to cook it to 165 degrees Fahrenheit internally. Our members have done everything they can to do to help control and reduce the bacteria, but unlike a lot of things in life, this is a case where the consumer has absolute control of the safety at the at the end of the process.
0: Absolutely. Follow the instructions provided to the T is the word there. Yes. Well, you know, we we all buy huge turkeys and we typically have lots and lots of it left over and we could probably easily do a whole show on creative leftover recipes. I know you alluded to a few things here, but I mean, you've got buffalo turkey wings, macaroni turkey salad. I just saw that for the first time, but uh, there are a couple that you would put out there that are kind of fun or new.
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, again, I'd recommend you go to to eat turkey, eat turkey dot org and uh, look at look at some of the recipes we have on there. There, There's a lot of fantastic recipes uh, and and the wings are a really good idea. If you want to supersize watching the Thanksgiving weekend football games, go go with turkey wings. But but, uh, you know, I've got my own personal favorites, too. You may not find the recipes on there, but I, I like turkey enchiladas. Uh, after Thanksgiving, I, some years I'll get uh, I'll get really inspired and do a gumbo with with turkey and maybe some Andouille sausage uh, or shrimp in there, and and all of these things are, are are delicious. But you know, everybody has their favorites, and and you can find find plenty of options there.
0: You're not going to run out of ways to use turkey, is what you're saying.
1: That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, and have fun when you do it. It, yeah, that's right. It's extremely versatile. And of course, everybody has their favorite way to do the sandwich after as well. And, uh, and, and that's, that's, that, that's a really fun part of Thanksgiving is to hear some people, some people like to do the sandwiches with stuffing in the cranberries <laughs> in the sandwich, you know, other, other people, you know, avocado and, and sprouts. There, there's so many options.
0: I have to tell you, I'm getting a craving for turkey right now when you're at all the descriptions that you're providing. And I just had lunch about an hour and a half ago, but I feel like I wanted to have- some more turkey right now, right now but i will have to wait on that a little bit. Hey, uh, the White House turkey tradition, I know we've talked about it before, and I've talked it last year, and it's just a great American tradition going on for a year, and your organization has been deeply involved for eons on this. See that it goes all the way back to 1947 with President Harry Truman. Why did he start this? And give us a little background.
1: Well, as some as some White Houses have, have been thoughtful enough to do over the years, there's there's a lot of people that's researched uh, the history of the tradition, and some would argue that, that you should go all the way back to President Lincoln's administration when when he was given a given a live turkey uh, for his son and to raise and to and to have for Thanksgiving. But the ceremonies we know it today did indeed start in 1947 with President Truman. It was just a gesture to start the holiday season. If you if you think about the time and place, then the country was at that point barely two years removed from World War II. It was an opportunity, to sort of, signal of return for to normalcy, to give thanks for, for for the peace we were enjoying at that moment, and and it was you know it was just uh, you know sort of a really a really nice gesture. It has continued uh, essentially unbroken since then. There have been a couple of years where in the in the 50s and 60s, where the president had to have a stand in. I know we've got pictures where Vice President Nixon stood in for President Eisenhower after he had his, had his heart attack. There was one year when Nixon was president that Mrs. Nixon stood in. I'm not quite sure of the circumstances. And, and obviously, th- there were some alternative things done in the latter part of the Carter administration with, with the hostage crisis going on. But we've been very blessed uh, that since 1981 with President Reagan, the president has been able to make it every single year to the event at the White House. And, and that's that's been a true blessing. In 1989, uh, President George H.W. Bush, President Bush 41, began the tradition of pardoning the turkey. And that was, that was a new addition to the event. And one of the really neat things about it is you can watch each new administration, each new White House, Come up with new and different ways to do the ceremony, and, and you sort of see it evolve. the The first year, they, they they would tend to lean on what what's happened before, and then they began to put their own signature on it. President Biden made a made a very noteworthy switch last year. He moved the ceremony from the Rose Garden, where it had been every year when there wasn't inclement weather. Uh, you know, going back to the '80s, he moved it to the South Lawn of the White House. And the Rose Garden's an intimate setting, but boy, the visuals on the south lawn is, you, you look at the presentation, you see the south, the south front of the, of, of the White House, the main executive mansion looming up behind you, it's, it's just an incredible setting.
0: Excellent. Now, the White House, the selection of the White House turkey, and a lot of people don't know that there's an alternate backup that goes to, uh, is, comes from the uh, Federation's uh, board chairman, I understand, every year, and from their state. That's the whole.
1: Yes, absolutely. It's it's the it's the most straightforward way to to ensure the that we get a great turkey raised. Uh, our chairman accepts the responsibility uh, every year. This year, our chairman is Steve Licken. He's the president of Genio Turkey Store. Uh, they're headquartered in Wilbur, Minnesota. So obviously, the the turkey is is coming from Minnesota. Uh, should get into town this weekend. Looking forward to a. To a pardoning next week until the pardoning itself the, uh, the the turkey has the good fortune of staying at the Willard Hotel in a suite. It, we now overnight we, we cordoned off a portion of the sleep of the suite and they, they, they sleep in a, in, in a little bit smaller area but during the day they have the run of the suite and a lot of the news media that comes to cover it always enjoys putting the turkeys up on the bed and taking uh, taking video or photographs of them of them fully settled into their suite.
0: And they get a red carpet rolled out. I've seen in the past a red carpet treatment as they've got into the, the hotel itself.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. That that's become a bit, that's become a big part of the, a big part of the, the, the tradition. We, uh, when they arrive, they, you know, they, they come out of, uh, they come out of the the van that they're carried in, and they uh, they walk up the red carpet a ways until uh, until it's time to bring them up the stairs into the building, and then we do we do very temporarily put them in a in each of them in individual crates to to bring them up to their room. So excellent.
0: The name of the birds themselves actually comes from the White House with feedback from the American public.
1: That's exactly right. Our chairman usually will invite people from their home state, most often school children, to make some suggestions, which are passed along to to, to the White House. And then the, the the they've done it a different number a number of different ways over the year, but it, over the years, but in recent years, it's primarily been from all those names, the White House will make a make a final determination on the name of the, of the National Thanksgiving Turkey and its alternate.
0: So I have to ask you how are chocolate and chip doing these days
1: they're doing great they're they're doing they're <laughs> doing great they uh the I get we've gotten reports back that they're healthy they're fine they're enjoying retirement so it, it's, it's it's a good life right now for chocolate and chip
0: and they were the birds from last year of course uh, too so have the has the official names been put out there yet or is that still to be No, they
1: have not. And and it is possible that the public will not learn about the names until President Biden announces them at the ceremony next week.
0: Okay, so we'll hold our breath on that one.
1: Yes. Okay.
0: Now, once the ceremony is over and once they're all done with everything going on in Washington, they go back to the home state, typically to a university, to an ag college and university where they live happily ever after.
1: Yes, that's exactly right. They are, um, this year, they, in we've done it a number of different ways over the years. There used to be a park in Fairfax County, Virginia, where they went every year. Then Disney got involved for five years and they went, uh, they went four years to Disneyland, one year to Disney World. During the time it started with the celebration of, of Disney, of Disneyland's 50th anniversary. And, and they were involved for five years. There were a, Couple of three years where they went to Val, uh, went to Mount Vernon. Another couple of years they went to the to the uh, historical farm of a former Virginia governor who was a uh, who was a turkey farmer. But in recent years, they've gone to uh, to a public land grant university with a strong ag program. We used Virginia Tech for several years. Uh, last year, the turkeys went to North Carolina State because they were from North Carolina and this year they'll they'll be going to to the University of Minnesota's College of Food, Agricultural and Natural Resource Sciences.
0: Where well, I'm sure they'll be well taken care of. They will be. You have been to many many of these White House Turkey Pardons and tr- turkey tradition events over the years. How many have you gone to and what is the most interesting thing that ever happened at one of these experiences that you were part of?
1: Well, the first one I went to was in 1991. I have been to all but three since then.
0: <laughs>
1: and so I've seen a lot. But my first one in 1991 was the most memorable. Now, this one I won't try to describe for you <laughs> because all of your listeners, people who are watching this, have an easy way to look it up. Go to YouTube and search Handler Cries Foul, F-O-W-L. F-O-W-L and see what happens. Uh, and just in case there's any doubt, I'm sure I haven't aged a moment since then, but that that, that is me that you see um, having a very unique Rose Garden experience uh, in, for, in front of the first President Bush. But I'll let people watch that because I couldn't even begin to describe it. So
0: again on YouTube, and that's HandlerPrize.
1: Handler cries foul F-O-W-L. Got it, perfect. And th- another one that stands out a lot is in 2006, Uh, we had a little bit of a unique, unique circumstance as we were setting up. The president was having what apparently was a national security meeting in the Oval Office. So we had to wait till a little later than usual before we could start setting up in the Rose Garden, where the ceremony was that year, because we didn't, we didn't obviously want to disturb this important meeting the president was in. But our, our, finally, our, our White House liaison said, okay, they're not done quite yet, but we can quietly begin to set up there. So you drive around the South. The south front of the White House, and we noticed the uh, an employee walking Barney and Beasley. This is President George W. Bush. Uh, his dogs, Barney and Beasley. didn't think much of it. We went to the Rose Garden. We got the turkey out, got it out of its cage, and suddenly we heard a huge commotion and barking. And the two dogs come running into the rose garden. The, the whoever was walking the dogs managed to to round to round uh Beasley up pretty fast. But Barney was, Barney was definitely wanting to investigate the turkey. He's barking. Now Now the turkey's flapping its wings, moving backwards. Chairs get knocked over. It's a commotion. And the handler cannot seem to, to, to get a hold of, of Barney. And suddenly behind me, my back was to the west wing. I was just making sure I had the turkey in my sights and nothing else was there. And I hear a kind of whistle. And then Barney called out. And I turned around and the president had left his meeting to come round up his dog. And um, it seemed a little mortifying for the moment, especially the, to the very nice liaison person who was there, but but that person's boss said, relax, very quicker than you think, it'll be funny. And sure enough, by 30 minutes later when the president came out for the ceremony, he had come to see the humor of it too, so.
0: Well, I know that you're in your 30th year, I believe, and I know you're gonna be retiring in the month of June. So what I'm waiting to hear and see, uh, Joel, is your your book come out on these experiences, see? <laughs>
1: I think know <it'd> <laughs> well, I started out as a, I started out as a newspaper reporter, so in theory I've got the skills to do something like that, so we'll see. <laughs>
0: right now it is time to salute all of our outstanding show sponsors. That does include the Central Ohio Farm Bureau of Union, Madison, Delaware, and Franklin counties. UC's farm market of Plain City, Ohio, the Marysville, Ohio branch of the Middlefield Banking Company, the Ohio Ecological Food and Farm Association, Health Insurance Markets, Michelle Mercer, Dublin, Ohio Office, and Nationwide Children's Hospital, Marysville, Close to Home Center. You'll find great products and services at all of our show sponsors. Well, let's continue on here and switch to some of the happenings or things that have gone on over the last year. So when you look back on 2023, you were to name maybe three of your biggest accomplishments that you're most proud
1: of, what would they be? Well, that's a, that that that's a really interesting question, and I think one of the one of the first and foremost would be that that we have seen the the highly pathogenic avian influenza outbreak come under control. There are still cases; it's it's still a challenge, but the industry has responded extremely well. The, I can't say enough about what the federal government and state and local governments has done as well to try to ensure we've got a quick response to each, each case. And we've reduced farm-to-farm transmissions dramatically since 2015. Since the outbreak, then, you know, the wild birds are the main vector for it, and, it, and it's still an ongoing battle. But but we're really pleased, we've we 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 we've been able to to, to get some some measure of success uh, in dealing with this. Another one that's really interesting and really intriguing is. We've been focusing a lot on growing markets for Turkey. Domestically, of course, we've talked about the barbecue space we've been on before, but also internationally. Right now, a significant amount of what we export goes to Mexico. They're extremely valued customers, but but like anything, you want to diversify your customer base and and find new markets and new opportunities. And the Republic of India has been one that's that's been in our sights for quite a while. We've done a lot of working work with our government who in turn has worked with the Indian government. We have a sister trade association in Atlanta, the USA poultry and egg export council, who's been a part of this effort as well, valued partner in this effort. And we were very pleased that last month, India announced uh, that it was removing two, two tariffs on Turkey, or not removing one tariff on Turkey, completely a retaliatory tariff that had been in place. And then the primary tariff, they reduced uh, to five to a five percent tariff, a dramatic reduction in the amount of tariff. This opens this this potentially opens up a spectacular new market for for the industry. Obviously, it's the second most populous country on the planet, and from what I've read, may soon become the most populous uh, the most populous on the planet. And you know, it is a great opportunity. There's still a lot of infrastructure issues to address, shipping issues to address. But the fact that, that we can now really compete in this market is is a huge is a huge accomplishment. And, you know, another thing, you know, so much is done in Congress and at the regulatory agencies that, uh, that, that that is intended to do good, but has unintended consequences that they don't think much about. And one thing there's a long way from the issue being resolved, but we've gotten Congress to focus on it. When the Inflation Reduction Act was passed, Uh, There was an an expansion and increase in a a tax credit that encourages the sequestration of carbon, basically pumping it back into the ground. Well, you know, people are people who are concerned about climate change would view this as is is a good thing. But there's also a lot of industrial uses for, for for carbon dioxide that are important in food production, including for Turkey. Where it's used in stunning turkeys, it's used in packaging, it's used in, in chilling the product. And you know, the carbon markets have, you know, the carbon dioxide market has gone crazy uh since the passage of this legislation. And we've now, Congress has agreed to ask the the, the, the government accountability office GAO to look a little more thoroughly in, in into some of the, the 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 consequences of this. And are there ways to you know to address it to ensure that that food production uses of carbon, um, you know, still remain viable. And I think, that, you know, getting getting Congress to admit that something may have happened a little beyond what they anticipated and try to look for solutions, that, that was a nice accomplishment as well.
0: Excellent. And you've kind of alluded and carried this over a little bit more into uh, really where it was going to go is looking at some of the challenges uh, moving into 2024. Uh, we talked about the Avian flu, but what about the uh, the issue, the labor issue? We talked about that before and uh, we talked already a little bit about the product export demands. Anything else?
1: Yeah, well, uh, as far as labor goes, you know, there, there there are multiple challenges. Obviously, there's on-farm labor challenges, but in, 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 in the turkey industry, probably it's more securing enough eligible workers to work in the plants. There really is not a get a guest worker visa program really tailored to food producing plants, especially meat and poultry producing plants. And we are trying to work with Congress to get them to look at ways that, that we maybe could create a, a visa program, especially for them. You know, Congress and, and and a couple of administrations over the years have done some things that are, are useful in reducing the ability of, of undocumented workers to get hired at plants made it easier to catch identity theft, et cetera. But that's not ultimately the solution is is having a viable program that allows guest workers in to work at these plants for a set period of time. Certainty knows that they can come back and do another round of work after a certain period of time. And that that, that will also alleviate some of the stress on the labor system right now if we can get a viable program.
0: You are very much uh, advocating out there uh, for the turkey industry. Obviously in the past we've talked about again uh, in 2023, we had the Farm Bill, uh, which is front and center. Any comment on current status with that?
1: Yeah, a- absolutely. Um, we've got a th- three-tiered program that we hope to see included in the Farm Bill when Congress does finally begin to move toward passage of it. It's, it's an animal disease program, three tiers, and we think it can help in the battle against you know diseases like avian influenza for us, but it will help... Uh, the 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 beef and pork industry with some of their diseases you know that they worry about like a, African swine fever or foot and mouth disease and so 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 the whole barnyard as we call it here is is working for this um, and it would uh, it would increase the national animal disease um, preparedness program it would increase funding for the vaccine bank. And it would provide some, some additional research, grant work in other areas that, that we think could could really help combat animal disease.
0: Excellent. You are a membership organization. Yes. Provide just a little bit uh, on what some of the benefits are and the resources that you provide to the turkey farmers. And I know that you also have coming up the highlight event of the year is the National Convention. is going to be in Austin this time
1: yes absolutely we're having our convention in austin february 21st through the 24th uh as a as a native born texan it'll be be fun to go back to the to to the great state for the convention uh, austin's a first for us though we've primarily been in san antonio in past years so this is a a little bit of a change moving up i-35 I by about 80 miles to yeah. uh to austin so we're excited about that but in terms of benefits for the members, um, you know, we really focus. Our members want us to focus on three or four primary mission areas. You know, one of the first is animal health, which we've been talking about a lot here, and in, you know, programs both working with Congress and the regulatory agencies that help protect, you know, the you know the, the birds in our care from animal health uh, animal health challenges. They want us to 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 help promote turkey consumption domestically and internationally. And we've talked a bit about Turkey Smoke, our barbecue program. We just talked about some of the things we've been doing in the international arena. India, of course, but we've also been increasing our work in Central and South America. Uh, again, working with USA Poultry and Egg Export Council on, the, on those efforts. They still look for legislative and regulatory excellence. We've talked about a, a, about a couple pieces of legislation now, but they, they want us deeply involved with USDA's efforts on food safety, uh, as well as, of course, animal health. They're they're looking for us to engage with FDA on the process of approving, you know, the medications that are used. They want us to work with EPA on, uh, you know, on environmental issues with with um, the Department of Labor and especially OSHA on implant worker safety issues. know they look for us to be their voice their voice in Washington And, and then they we just talked about the convention they look for they're looking for opportunities for us to help provide ongoing education for the members to help prepare them for the challenges they've got ahead so we we do the convention every uh every February it rotates around the country Austin this coming February Scottsdale the year after that then then Fort Lauderdale so some some interesting locations that we're looking at. We, we don't know for sure where we're going in 27. So I've got a pretty good idea, but I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then we do a leadership conference in Washington every September where we bring our members in so they can talk with legislators and regulators uh, about the issues that concern, that are of concern to them. We have always found that one-on-one conversation with policymakers can lead to better more creative solutions. We They understand better what our members are facing uh, on the farm and in the plants, but we also understand better the political pressures that they're facing, and, and that can sometimes you know, lead to, to a really constructive dialogue and, and maybe better solutions than you'd get if you tried to do them in a vacuum.
0: I understand. What about any farm, turkey farms out there that aren't really involved in the membership?
1: Well, our, the way our membership's based right. um, in, in this day and age is the the, the processors, the, 20, the, the 25, 26 federally inspected processors, sort of farm our core and the way we're structured now is they pay based on poundage produced and automatically everybody who raises turkeys for them is, is a member result of that now we have some other members who are independent you know independent growers who who also members in that regard uh the breeders are also members we have uh, the the whole uh preferred supplier allied contingent those that make we've been talking about animal ca- medications those that make animal health products but uh but also you know those that provide goods and services the industry from the people that make the packaging that that the products are shipped in to to the people who help you know who help you know make equipment that, that, that makes turkey processing go easier uh it's um you know it's a very diverse membership
0: what a great model that you have there in terms of that membership too that is outstanding uh it's there Well, we could probably talk easily another three or four hours, Joel, and I don't think we'd run out of things about Turkey to talk about here and all the great work that your staff and everybody is doing and your board too. But again, I can't thank you enough for taking some time to really talk Turkey with us to get us caught up with what's going on with the National Turkey Federation, get up with some of the great happenings coming up, especially the pardoning of the Turkey and the White House event and all those interesting things that you can do with Turkey's. You're all over a social media. Put out a couple of those sites again. I know you mentioned EatTurkey.org. Is that the main site you want to direct people to?
1: Well, that, that, that's our main website. But we, if you look on Instagram, we have accounts there, both for the National Turkey Federation and for our Turkey Smoke Barbecue Process. Facebook, of course, we're we're very active on Facebook uh, for for both of our programs. We're on. And it's really hard for me to say it, but X, I still want to say Twitter every time I, I say it, but <laughs> we're there as well. Uh, not on TikTok yet. That's that that's a little ways off. That's a little more a uh, little more labor intensive on content creation. So we wanna if, if we go there, we want to have a sustainable model for being on there.
0: Sure. What's a final message that you want to leave with our listeners?
1: First of all, just to enjoy Thanksgiving. Obviously, we we are happy that uh, that the vast majority of people are going to sit down to a turkey meal. But it's more important to us, even beyond that, that people just appreciate the reason for the season, thankful even when, when we're facing challenges. For the many blessings we have in this country, we're incredibly richly blessed. Here, we we you know we want people to reflect on that and then enjoy the remainder of the holiday season and um, and and just appreciate you know, the, the bounty that, that not just us, but everybody's involved in U.S. agriculture and food production uh, is able to bring to the table.
0: Mega kudos to you, Joel, for 30 plus years, correct? 30 plus years and, and going to be retired. I started here in, in 1991,
1: June. so yes. Uh,
0: for all that you have done and, and taken the whole turkey industry forward uh, with your great leadership over the years and to your entire staff, so dedicated and passionate and your board, and for the turkey farmers and everybody in the in the industry for really making the quality of life so much better for yeah. all of us to enjoy.
1: throughout. I, 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 I would not have stayed anywhere for more than thirty years if I was not having the opportunity to work with great people and work for great people. And um, I, you know, I'm really I'm really pleased with the team we have here and 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 the team members who came before our current crew. We've had we've had a great bunch, and the members are extraordinarily supportive. You know, we, we operate in a political environment, but there is no politics within our membership. They all pull together. They compete fiercely in the marketplace, but they pull together on on the legislative regulatory matters and the marketing matters that, that we're working on. And, and, it's, uh, it, it, and they're extraordinarily supportive. And, and that's something I'll be thankful for next week.
0: It's a total Turkey team effort there, quote unquote, that really makes it working together. To drive things forward and really in a positive manner for all of us. Hey, we'll look forward to continuing uh, my relationship with the, with the Federation in the future and putting everything out there we can to promote all of the work that your Federation does ongoing. Hey, and I wish you a Thanksgiving holiday stuffed, stuffed with much success to you, your staff. Uh, I know the White House event will be a huge success as always. So again, Have a happy Thanksgiving and a a great Christmas holiday season as well, Joel. I've enjoyed so much our conversations.
1: Thank you very much, Pete. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours as well, so.
0: Thank you so much, Joel. Joel Brinberger, CEO and President of the National Turkey Federation, has been my very special guest here today. And as we wind down, a final acknowledgement of all of our show sponsors. That does include the Central Ohio Farm Bureau of Union, Madison, Delaware, and Franklin counties. It's a grassroots membership organization dedicated to strengthening and sustaining agriculture, through policy advocacy, professional development, resource provisions, and outstanding member benefits. For more information, contact Melinda Lee, the organization director, M. Lee at M. Lee at OFBF.org. That's M. Lee at OFBF.org. UTC's Farm Market of Plain City, Ohio. It is your one-stop shop for all your favorite Amish cheeses. And they have over 30, I did say 30 types of cheeses deli meats, baked goods, and more. Now's the perfect time to stock up on all your holiday party trays and turkeys and all of the cheeses that you need. You can find them on Facebook and be sure to order online. They're located on Converse off Road off of Route 42 in Plain City, Ohio. They're open Monday to Saturday, nine to five. You'd see Farm Market. It's worth the drive. The Marysville branch of the Middlefield Banking Company, offering great rates for ag commercial and residential projects combined with exceptional individualized customer service located on Coleman's crossing in Marysville, Ohio. They're open Monday to Friday, 8:30 AM to 5 PM. You can find them on Facebook and check them out today. They're ready to serve you. The Ohio ecological food and farm association cultivating a future in which organic farmers thrive. Local food nourishes our communities and I practices protect and enhance our communities. Now is the perfect time to become a member, offering mega benefits, including organic certification, educational events led by experts, one-on-one technical support to grow and sustain your business. Contact them today at OEFFA.org. That's OEFFA.org. Health Insurance Markets, Michelle Mercer Office, Dublin, Ohio. Choosing the right Medicare plan can be very confusing. Michelle Mercer is here to help. Contact her today at 614 606 6022, that's 614 0422, or email her at, at healthmarkets.com. Health Insurance Inc. is licensed in all states and DC. Product availability may vary, and agents may receive compensation based on enrollment, but there is no obligation to do so. And Nationwide Children's Hospital, Marysville, close to home, dedicated to providing state of the art medical support to adolescents and children 365 days a year. Are located on coleman's crossing in marysville ohio find them on facebook your patronage and support of all of our show sponsors makes a huge positive difference well join us again for our next ag adventure on november 27th when we talk with our very special guest don combs of soda farm you can follow us on facebook at that's agritastic for show details ag announcements interesting ag stories and much more and again until the next time this is Pete Emmons wishing you a happy Thanksgiving and make it an aggregate great week.